The following message is from Grace City Church in Ottawa. For more information, please visit gracecity.ca. Good morning again. My name's Rich. I'm part of the team here at Grace City Church. Hope that you are doing well this weekend. The Sens are winning. The Leafs are winning. Life's good, right? So far. It's early in the season. It's early in the season. Hope that you're having a really good weekend. We're thrilled that you're uh, able to be here with us um, this morning. We've been doing a series over the past many weeks in the Lord's Prayer. You can find that in Matthew's Gospel, also in Luke, in the New Testament of the Bible. Uh, I'm going to read it. We've been reading it uh, from Matthew's Gospel at the beginning of of every sermon in this series, and we're going to do that again this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, feel free to turn to Matthew chapter 6, and this is Jesus teaching his disciples, teaching his followers how to pray, and then starting at verse 9 of chapter 6 in Matthew, Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you that you are uh, so eager to help us in all of our times of need. And God, thank you that here in your word, we, we, we see in scripture that you also have chosen Jesus to, to, to help us to know how to pray, that you've not left us even this to, to figure this out on our own. You're here to help us even, even with that. And God, I pray for any who may be here this morning who may think, well, it's, you know, it's well and good that Jesus wants to teach me how to, how to pray, but there's, there's some other area of my life that's, that's bigger. I've got a bigger need right now than, than that. God, I, 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 you know every need in this room. You know every situation. And God, we see in Scripture that it's your desire that we would come before you with these things that are on our minds, come before you with these things that are on our hearts, and that you invite us to do that. Not only do you invite us to do it, but you teach us how to do it. You teach us how to come before you and how to pray. God, you're so kind to us. I I, I pray as we continue on in this series this morning, this morning as we look at daily bread, praying for daily bread. God, I, I, I pray just for a work of your spirit this morning as I preach. I pray that, um, Jesus, even if I'm all over my words this morning, I, I pray that still supernaturally that you would be showing us clearly by your spirit that you are our provider, that you are trustworthy, that you are faithful, and that you will provide all that we need. Not necessarily all that we want, but you will provide all that we need. God, thank you. You are faithful. Just give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord's Prayer is, if you've been following along with us in this series, you've probably heard me say it's made up of seven petitions, seven unique things in there that Jesus uh, teaches us to be, to be praying for. But we need to approach the Lord's Prayer as a whole, not just, not just piecemeal. But this morning we're looking at the fourth petition, and that is... Give us this day our daily bread. And we're going to, before we look into that in detail, we're going to look at a shift that happens at this stage in the Lord's prayer. The the first three petitions that we've been looking at over the, the past few weeks primarily concern 
God's interests. Okay, remember how Jesus started in teaching us how to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. These are things concerning God, who he is, his kingdom, and his will. And then here in the, in the final four petitions, the first of which we're starting this morning, we shift into things that are really concerning us, our needs, our need for daily bread, our need for forgiveness of sin, our, our need for help in times of temptation, our need for being delivered from evil. But before we look at this first petition that, that is really around our needs and, 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 and our concerns, uh, it's important that we address a question that some of you might be asking right now, some of you might be thinking right now, and that is simply, well, aren't my concerns God's concerns? Isn't he concerned about what's on my mind? Maybe you've come to church here this morning, and, and that's something that you're really living with. There, there, there's something perhaps that has led you, some event over the weekend or the past week or, or at some stage where you just, you just want to know, and there's a bit of a question mark over this for you, maybe a big question mark, does God care? Like, do, does he really care? I, there's this thing that I'm just so concerned with, it's just on my mind constantly, it's affecting my sleep, it's, a, it's affecting my, my, my eating, it's, it's, it's really, I'm really living with this thing, but, but is he? Does he care? I, I want you to know, I, I've, I've struggled in my sermon preparation for today. I've, I've, I've really struggled in trying to find the right language to, when, I, when I make reference to things that are of God's interest and things that are of ours, because I don't want you to see those as, as polarized things. That, that is not the case. That is not the case. God is very concerned with your concerns, okay? Be gracious with me if I'm, if I'm kind of not finding the exact right language in that, but that's what I want you to know. That's what this book wants you to know. God is very concerned with your concerns. He is a good father, perfect in his fathering of us. A good father doesn't look at their child when the child comes with their concerns and just brushes them off. Well, I don't care about your concerns. I got my own thing. No, no, no. God's not like that. We feel it, don't we? We feel at times that God can be like that, but God is not like that, brushing us off. No, no, I'm, I'm above that in the sense of I can't be bothered. No, God doesn't say that. He's a good father. He's a tender father towards us. There is nothing that you are walking in life that God is not interested in, but there is lots that God is walking that we are not interested in. His fathering of us is perfect. Our existence, for those of us that have surrendered our lives to Jesus, received him by grace through faith, our existence as sons and daughters of God is not perfect. We're not perfect children. He's a perfect father, but we're not perfect children. So here in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is teaching his followers not, not to quickly rush into, on, you know, at every time we come before the Father, not to always rush into just our needs. He starts us off with our Father who art in heaven. Jesus starts us off by slowing down, and just knowing who it is that we come before, who he is in relation to us, he's our father, who he is in his character, who he is in his majesty, his name is above all. It's, it's his kingdom that we should be seeking. It's his will that we should be seeking. His fathering of us is perfect. However, our living out of our existence as his children, for those that have received Jesus, us living that out, we don't do that perfectly. Praise God for his grace, right? Praise God for his grace. 
We need to recognize uh, something key about why Jesus has taught us to pray in this way, because even in that culture some 2,000 years ago, Jesus recognized that there was already, even then, something in the human heart that would default uh, to the self. And if that was true then, I mean, how much more true is that today, right? We, we live even more so today, it could certainly be argued, in, in, in even a, a more aggressively individualistic culture where the self is king, the, 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 even more than king, that the self is God. I mean, that, that's what we're immersed in, uh, you know, Monday through to Saturday, and as soon as you walk out here, I hope you don't feel yourself immersed in that here, because that's not what the gospel teaches us, but our culture absolutely does preach that message to us at every turn, that the self is primary, Everything that you need to know in life it, it can be found in you. Everything that you need in life can be found in you. You just need to tap into that. The Bible doesn't speak about us in nearly the same way. It actually says, no, the further into yourself that you're going to go, you're actually going to go further into the very problem. And the problem is the human heart. We actually need to look outside of ourselves. We need to look to Jesus Christ. So in the way that Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he's, he's recalibrating us, isn't he? And, and, and this individualistic approach that we have to so much in life spills over into our prayer lives as well. So again, before we're looking at this fourth petition of give us this day our daily bread, I, I just want to slow us down and hope that we would be honest enough to recognize that as, in a general sense, we tend to not pray like Jesus taught us to pray. We tend to not pray like Jesus taught us to pray. We tend to be quick to come with the things that we want and, and, and don't slow down to focus on who he is and who we're actually coming before. We tend to start with our own interest and then rarely, if ever, move on to God's. When I was in university, it was a long time ago, uh, there was a movie that came out in 2003 with Jim Carrey, Bruce Almighty. Who's seen Bruce Almighty? Some of you, some of you young ones are like, 2003, like it was a black and white movie, okay, by way back then. And in this movie, uh, Jim Carrey plays this character, Bruce, and he uh, basically says, God, I can do this better than you. I can do this better than you. And God, who in the film is played by Morgan Freeman, who's a great actor, but not a good God. <laughs> anyway, in that film, uh, says, okay, well, you think you can do better than this? Uh, well, give it a go. And there's a scene where uh, Bruce decides to answer all the prayer requests that have come in, and he decides to answer it via email, because this is 2003, and back then we still thought email was cool. We now know better. Uh, so these prayer requests come in. But it was interesting. I found this screen grab, and this is actually from the film. And take a look at the, 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 the prayers that come in, the subject, subject line. Bigger house, first date, lost puppy, new pony, safe trip, I'm lonely, bra for my sports car. I don't even know what that is. Uh, make mother well, good grades, new car, football practice, no homework, stock increase, safe trip, home for the holidays, bonus checks, help around the house, car repairs, dad's surgery, increasing debt, gas prices, amen, and new bike, okay? And the writer of this film is a Catholic, and he's really onto something here. Like, he recognizes that the way that most people approach prayer, you might remember a few weeks ago, we looked at a few stats around prayer, the overwhelming majority of Canadians, it's over 80%, have said that they've prayed in the past year, okay? Most of us pray, most of us pray. 
But the writer of this film is recognizing that this is the way that most of us pray. It's really on to something. We tend to come before God and come with things that we want. Maybe at times, you know, things that we know that we genuinely need, but often coming before him with things that we want. This caricature, it exists for a reason. And when we do this, we may say, as Christians, when we, when we pray like this, or, or only like this, we may say that God is Father, but really what we're living out in our prayer lives is God is something more of a genie, and prayer is kind of the rubbing of the lamp, hoping that the genie will grant us our wishes. And that's not what prayer is supposed to be, because there's, there's no relationship there. It's not, it's not coming before a father that, that, that we know, no, he's, he's tender towards me, but he's, he's, he's made a way for me to come before him as a son or a daughter, but he's, he's my father, but he's my father in heaven. Like, wow, he's my father in heaven. We, we, it's good, this way that Jesus is teaching us how to pray, it slows us down to remember who it is that we're coming before and his interests and his kingdom and his will before Jesus moves us on to coming with ours. Now, you may be thinking, Rich, are, are you saying that it's wrong to pray when there's something that I want or need? Are, are you saying that I, I, I can't come with something that's really on my mind? Because maybe even you've come to church this morning with something that's really on your mind, and you just think, yeah, I want to come before God with that. And you're thinking, you know, I, 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 I don't like this, because it sounds like you're saying that I'm not allowed to pray the things that I need. Hey, Ottawa people, hang on. Okay, it's okay, you don't need to throw organic apples at me and your granola at me, it's going to be fine. Okay, I'm not saying that you should not pray things that you need. What we are saying here is that what Jesus shows us in the Lord's Prayer is that our prayer lives should be first about God, about who he is, and about his interest. And when we do that, we find that faith is stirred up inside of us being reminded of who he is, being reminded of the way that he has made for us to be able to come before him as children, to come before the God of heaven who is Father. I know I'm repeating myself on that, but it's worth repeating. So easily forgotten. The God that we come before is God in heaven who is our Father. And doesn't, doesn't that stir something up inside of you? Like his kingdom, his name is over all. Jesus taught us to pray that, hallowed be your name. His name is over all things. He's a king ruling and reigning. His will is perfect. Everything that he desires for you is for your good. That's the one that you come before in prayer. And when we slow down and we really consider this, then when we come before him with our needs, as Jesus does teach us to do, praise God, he teaches us to do this. But we come with faith stirred inside of us. Wow. Wow, what can I ask of this Father? What can I then ask of this God? Being reminded of who he is and who I am in him. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. What then can I come and ask for? He's listening. He's listening to me. It's important that we see that we're not talking about our prayer lives as either or. Okay, It's not only focusing on who God is only, or only focusing on our needs only. No, it, this, this is both and. This is the way that Jesus taught us to pray. It's not either or, it's both and. But what Jesus is putting before us is an ordering. He's giving us something of a template. It's not a script. 
We don't just need to shut our minds off and recite it over and over and over. No, that's not the way it was meant to be approached, the Lord's Prayer. But he's giving us something of a template that we do well uh, to follow and to learn to pray like this. The world prays for what they want. Jesus teaches us to pray what we know. The world prays for what it wants. Jesus teaches us to pray what we know. What do we know? We know that he is God in heaven and he is our Father and he is close and he is for us and he is ruling and reigning and his very name is above all things. And being reminded, encouraged, and built up in that, then we come and we can pray, give us this day our daily bread. I'm going to have to move pretty quickly here, but there are three things that this fourth petition, uh, three questions that I want to focus on. The first one is, everything else in this prayer seems to be really spiritual, so why in this fourth petition suddenly the mention of bread? Bread seems very unspiritual, doesn't it? The second thing is, well, what's, what's meant by bread? Like, well, when Jesus uses that word in the Lord's Prayer, does he actually mean bread, or is there some, like, super spiritual cryptic thing going on there? Like, does he actually mean hippopotamus or something? Is there, is there something else completely unconnected, or is he actually referring to bread? And third, if bread actually means bread, there's a deep philosophical question that we can just hang on for a while. If bread actually means bread, why doesn't Jesus teach us to pray for other things? Are we, are we allowed to pray for other things? Are we encouraged to pray for other things? So let's look at this quickly. The, fr- the final three petitions of the, the Lord's Prayer, the ones that we're going to be looking at over the coming weeks, concern our spiritual needs. The forgiveness of sin and resisting temptation and being delivered from evil. These are serious things with serious spiritual and certainly with eternal consequences. So why before that this mention of bread? Just the most basic food, isn't it? Bread. Why this mention of bread? The quick answer to this is that our natural well-being is necessary for our spiritual well-being in this world, isn't it? Our natural well-being is necessary for our spiritual well-being in this world. God gives us the physical things that we need so that we can live out the spiritual tasks that he has called us to, namely the sharing of the gospel and the making of disciples. It's very hard to do these things without food. It's very hard to do these things without food. Equally, it's very hard to hear or respond to the gospel when you're starving. And I mean, I mean gen, gen, genuinely starving. I don't mean the way that often we hear that word, oh, I'm starving. I mean, like, genuinely, when, when your body is, is, is starting to consume itself, okay? I know for, for us here in Ottawa, that, that seems like a very foreign thought. That, that's something that happens somewhere else, isn't it? Well, actually, it's not. That happens in our city here as well. In fact, if you look at the stats around it, even following uh, or, or even where we are at in terms of the pandemic and the need uh, for uh, food and, and people going to, whether it's soup kitchens or food banks, the numbers are up considerably. This, this is a here thing as well. Doesn't this make sense when we consider what Scripture says about God's heart for the poor? Doesn't it make sense in, in, in light of this? God's heart for those in need of food, in need of warmth, in need of clothing, in need of the, the basic necessities of life. It's not just because God cares about their bodies, which certainly he does, it's because God cares also about their souls. God cares also about their souls. It's because 
God cares about their souls, and so should we. And this is part of why in the early church, as you read through the book of Acts, you see the early church so concerned with the welfare of the poor. And it's why today local churches, including Grace City Church, still should be concerned about the welfare of the poor. We want them to be well. We want them to be fed. We want them to have clothing and to have warmth and to have shelter. Why? Well, part of the reason why is so that there's an opportunity for the gospel. Because if somebody doesn't have shelter because they don't have clothing or because they're, they're starving, it's very hard for the gospel, not impossible, but very hard for the gospel to break into that when those basic necessities of life are not being met. You know, we, we here in the West, in our postmodern culture, we, we, we've got this idea of like the, the spiritual and the physical are being completely divided. Uh, the Greeks, uh, the people that, that uh, a lot of the letters in this book were, were being written to, they didn't think of it that way. Like they, they didn't put these things on opposite ends of physical and spiritual. We, we think of it that way. They didn't. They, they saw, no, this, this is together. This is together. We're, we're, we don't have this divide inside of us. And the way that Jesus here is speaking about bread is along these lines, certainly, there is a connection to our physical well-being and to the well-being of our souls. What's meant by bread, then, is something that we've already touched on. It's not only bread as food, but what's being referred to here, and and those that were originally hearing Jesus in this teaching would have heard the word bread and would have understood it as the necessities of life, okay? Primarily food, clothing, and shelter. This is how the Hebrews of the Old Testament would have understood that word, and they would have thought of those three things. Now, what Jesus is inferring here is that we are not to pray then for luxuries or for riches. Rather than praying for luxuries or for riches, we are to pray for what is wholesome and for what is needed. Now, to be clear, God may grant us luxuries or riches, but we are to let that be at his discretion and not ours. It's for him to grant those things if he so chooses. We're not to covet it. We are to be content with what he gives, knowing that what he gives, he gives perfectly, and he will supply all of our needs. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy and he's giving him warnings about false teachers and he starts speaking about these very things. These are uh, verses 3 to 9 and I want to read them. So this is 1 Timothy 6, 3 to 9. And this is what Paul says to Timothy, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness... He is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth. Imagining that, and this is the thing that we're focusing on, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And then, it's not on the screen, the verse that follows is a verse that we're very familiar with. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. What Paul is saying to Timothy 
is an indicator of false teaching in the church, of wolves coming in, of people coming in, trying to cause harm, an indicator of that is how they talk about God's provision of material things. An indicator of whether they're false teachers is how they talk about God's provision of material things. Do you hear what Paul's saying to Timothy there? He's saying that some, some come in, that there are some who come in imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Imagining that if you do the right things, then God will give you certain things. Now, look, I mean, let's, let's be encouraged here, because that's 2,000 years ago-ish when that book's being written. Fortunately, we don't have that happen today, right? I mean, there, there, there's nobody that, that's kind of teaching that in, in churches today. There's nobody that's standing up saying things like, if you do this or if you give this much, then you'll get a big house or you'll get a big car. That was a, that was a problem back then, right? No. <laughs> like, no. This stuff is so prevalent today. It is so prevalent today. If you go to any of the major bookstores in Ottawa and you go and look at the Christianity section or the religious section, overwhelmingly, it's this sort of garbage that you're going to find. It is. It's this sort of false teaching that you're going to find. And Paul is saying to Timothy, guard against it. Be on the lookout for it. Is this how Jesus taught us to pray about material possessions? No. How does he teach us to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. Rich, are you saying that if God gives more than bread, more than just necessities, that that's bad? No. No. That's not bad. That's grace. It's not bad. That's grace. These are gifts from God, and he's a kind God. And on the whole, here in this city, in Ottawa, a friend of mine who's in the church, he says the disease that Ottawa has is affluenza. So affluent. Okay? See my friend nodding his head. He knows this, right? He's lived in the city a long time. He's so right. Affluenza is, is, is running rampant in Ottawa, and it can seep into the church. It can seep into the church. And we can find this in our prayer lives. We end up praying for things that are not in line with how Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Not, Jesus, show me how you're going to provide for my daily bread, my necessities, over the next 10 years. I know we want that. I know we want that. Don't, don't show me how you're going to map out my entire retirement plan. Don't show me how big the house is going to be or how many degrees I'm going to have or exactly what the relationship is going to look like or any of these things over the next big time horizon. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. There's so much in our culture that's just at odds with that. There's so much in our culture that's about securing our own future. Dear friend, your future is secure in Christ. Your future is secure in Christ. And if we start going down these other roads of, of including trying to treat godliness as a means of material gain, we're going to end up in very, very dangerous territory, and it will ravage our church. It will. We must be on guard for this. I love what Paul says to Timothy in here. Did you hear it? If we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. What, what a challenge. Yeah? Whew. If we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Man, that's, yeah, that, I mean, that, <laughs> that's challenging. It's a tough word, you know? It's challenging. 
We have food and clothing. With these, we will be content. Friends, there's a big difference between I have Jesus, so I'll be content with anything, versus give me everything, and then I'll be content with Jesus. Often our prayer lives are the, are the latter, right? God, if you answer all my prayers, if you give me everything that I'm asking for, then, I will, man, then I'll be a worshiper. Then I'll know that you're real. Then I'll know that you're generous. Then, so just, just do that. Give me all these things, and then we're good, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. In fact, in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is an interesting book because it, it's very repetitive, it's very repetitive, the things that are already written in Scripture. Moses is going to great lengths to remind God's people. He's going to great lengths to remind God's people. And he does this all throughout the book. In Deut- Deuteronomy chapter 8, in verse 11, he's, he's, he's pleading with them. He's giving them this reminder about all of the ways that God has blessed them. But there's a specific warning that he offers that we need to hear this morning as well. This is what he says in Deuteronomy 8:11, "Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today, lest listen, when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, just just think of that as as material wealth in that culture, okay? And when your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up. Isn't that a good thing? Doesn't God want our hearts to be lifted up? Well, we're not done reading yet. And you forget the Lord your God. There are two different ways that our hearts can be lifted up. Okay, one is that we recognize God as our provider, and he's given all these things as an act of grace, and we are to return them to him for his glory in worship of him And the other way is that our heart can get lifted up, can get puffed up. And then he says a few verses later, he says in verse 17, Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Wow, that verse that verse, I, I want you to know, church, I want you to know, I love this city. I love Ottawa. But I think if there's one verse that sums up the prevailing attitude in our city, it is Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. I really do. I really do. And part of why I feel that so strongly is because as I've lived here, I have noticed myself at times start to think it myself. I've earned this. I deserve this. My wife has earned this. My wife deserves this. Our family, we've earned this. We deserve this. And what Moses is saying to God's people that time, be careful, be careful. All of these things are gifts of grace. Grace City Church, we must hear this this morning. We live in the most qualified city in Canada. We live in the city in Canada with the highest average wages, with the highest average education. We are so prone to this type of thinking. Oh, well, I've got at least one university degree and I worked really hard for that. I deserve this job. I deserve this pay bump. I've earned it. My power and my might have gotten me this wealth. 
that you have a mind that was able to go through four years or more of university, that you are able to work in an office or remotely and earn a really good salary in this city, if that's your story. If these are true of you, it is grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. We must not lose sight of this. The way that Jesus is teaching us to pray, praying before our Father for daily bread, give us this day our daily bread, is this constant reminder in our lives that our provision comes from Him. And anything beyond our provision that He chooses to bless us with comes from Him. It is all grace. It is all grace. We need to keep coming back to this and keep coming back to this and keep coming back to this. There are times in church life where we can say, oh, it's when the pastor stands up and talks about money, it gets, it gets so awkward, doesn't it? It's really, really tough. don't like it when the pastor stands up and talks about money. I don't, don't like that we have these buckets. They're champagne buckets, by the way. <laughs> sort of disappointed. Some of you are thinking you're being served champagne this morning. No, we have wine. We don't have champagne for you this morning. The opportunities to come and even to give financially. Oh, it's kind of awkward that we do this. Let me tell you something that's worse than feeling awkward in church. It's becoming ensnared and being given to destruction. <laughs> that's worse. That's worse. Isn't that what Paul says to Timothy? He says, Those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation. They fall into a snare and into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. There are worse things than feeling awkward. There are worse things that are than feeling awkward. And I want you to know, you might not believe me, but I want you to know this is the heart behind why we talk about these things, is we don't want you to step into a snare. We don't want you to be ensnared. And financial giving, this regular opportunity to say, God, everything that I have, it's yours. I'm giving a portion back to you is this regular opportunity for us in our lives when we come together on Sunday, when we meet in life groups, when we go onto the church website and there's the online giving. When we do it, whatever way we choose to do it, whether it's in the bucket here or online or giving our time or giving the use of a vehicle or welcoming people into our home, every time we do that, we can do that as an opportunity to be reminded that it all comes from God. It's all His. It's all because of His grace. It's all because of His grace. We need to keep being reminded of that. There are far worse things than feeling awkward at times around conversations around money. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you hear what's implied here? God has daily bread available that He has designated for us. <laughs> God has daily bread that he has designated for us, and it is for us to ask for it. The tone of this statement should shock us a little bit. Can you imagine anybody coming before a king, into the throne room of a king, and saying, give me the bread that you've prepared for me? Can you imagine anybody doing that? A mere subject could not do that. Who can do that? Who can come before a king and say, give me the bread that you've prepared for me? A subject can't do it. Who can do it? A son or a daughter, that's who gets to come before a king and say, give me the bread that you have prepared for me. Yes, with reverence, but wow, wow, what freedom we have, what permission we've been granted in Christ to come before God. And, and, and what, a, what a short line in the Bible, but man, just give us this day our daily bread that we get to say that before God. And he delights in us coming and making that request of him. 
phenomenal. It's just amazing. So it's fitting at this point in the service that we're going to prepare to go to the table with the bread and with the wine. And we'll take the bread and we remember that it's the bread that Jesus held when he was having supper with his friends the night before he went to the cross in your place and mine. And he took that bread and he held it before them and he said, this is my body which is given for you. This is my body which is given for you. Do you see the link between praying for daily bread and who Jesus is himself? Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus is the bread that provides nourishment to our very souls. Everything that your soul needs for life today and for life with God for eternity is found in Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. And Jesus, as our bread, and this is what communion is entirely about, was broken for us on the cross. The bread of life broken on the cross.